The Inside Ellen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate Leeds, postcode LS53AP. Check out PR Supplies on Facebook for all your home retail needs. Hello, welcome back to this week's instalment of the Inside Ellen Road podcast with me, Joe Donoghue, and your YAP Chief Football Writer, Graeme Smith. Uh, another late one last night at Molyneux. Uh, been there three times now, only ever played under the cover of darkness. Um, anyway, Leeds are out of the Carabao Cup at the third round stage, um, but they can make it three wins in a row in the Premier League, at least uh, this weekend away at Spurs. Graeme, I'm sure most people have read and scoffed at your ratings from Wednesday night by now, uh, but there was one nine out of ten I think you were missing. Um, Wolves Grub in the media room. Uh, yeah, very well done, Wolves. Um, not only did they lay on a rave uh, before the game with the light show and the, the flames and everything, but they, uh, they they do a very mean line in Pressford as well. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what, they've they've laid down the gauntlet for Spurs. Now, Spurs is renowned as one of the best in the country because the, the press room at Spurs is essentially a, a very good restaurant, uh, essentially a, a Michelin star restaurant. Uh, masquerading Don't have a cheese room, <laughs> a wine cellar. <laughs> so uh, yeah, well played, Wolves. The lamb was the lamb was good. I thought uh, roast potatoes were very good. Was that lamb? I thought it was pork. Um, it was lamb. I'm sure it was lamb. Now you're making me question. No, my... I'm fairly sure it was pork. Well, we're gonna have to email Wolves and find out. Um, hopefully we'll get we'll an come answer. back to you on this. We'll hopefully come back. Get an answer by the end of the podcast. Um. Yes, and it was certainly uh, a damn sight better than some of the fare served up during the game uh, in periods. Um, it, it's a funny one, isn't it? You can take a lot of positives from that. There are games from which you cannot reasonably derive positives, um, but that wasn't one of those games because you had four uh, debuts, um, you had under-21s players playing really quite well, um, you had leads in the game right until the 86th minute. Um but ultimately, I came away with the feeling that it was an opportunity missed. And when you see some of the teams who've gone out of the competition, you think of all the teams in there that Leeds could conceivably beat this season. When you think that this competition is a vehicle for match involvement for players that are on the fringe and who need minutes, um, a way of keeping players happy, a way of blooding youngsters and developing them, I just felt... I felt like the selection could have been slightly stronger, um, but also, you know, with the chances missed and a few opportunities and good good bits of territory and possession squandered, it just felt like an opportunity missed all around. You know, there's some players as well that Jack Harrison was left, the only man left in the team from Saturday. It was a chance for him to really fire back at, at Willie Nyonto and, and say, you know, I can produce something special as well and a bit of end product. And it just didn't quite happen for him, you know. He he came close, but ultimately, I felt his overall performance was below where it needed to be, and and that could probably be said of a uh, a small number of of players. So, um, yeah, a bit of a mixed night for Leeds United, um, and I think it's quite disappointing that they're out of this competition, regardless of where you hold the Carabao and in, in terms of esteem. Um, I think there was an opportunity there for Leeds. 
Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, you know, you look at the teams that have got through. Um, you know, Gillingham beat Brentford on penalties. MK Dons, I think, are through. Um, you know, there's there's some big big hitters who are um, who have already been eliminated. And yes, Leeds were always going to be unlikely to win the Carabao Cup. Uh, but you know, as a Premier League team, you need to be aiming to sort of reach, especially with the the depth of squad that that they have now. Um, it was that wasn't the case last year, and you could understand why maybe going out in the at the same stage was was understandable. But this time against a you know a struggling Wolves team, you you could feel the the frustration any time that Wolves got into the final third. You know their fans just want to see some goals. Um, they haven't I think the lowest scores in the Premier League this season. Um, and to be fair, in the first half, I thought their appetite for a fourth round tie to be played two days after the World Cup final was actually quite lacking. Um, whereas you had some real hunger from the, especially the younger lads at Leeds and as well as some of the older ones in, in that team, because it was a, a team with 10 changes, um, plenty of players with a point to prove. Even I mean, I'd, you'd say 11 players with a point to prove. Um, and it was just lacking that little bit of quality that was, that was required. Um, I, I mean, looking at the the team that started, I, I don't think there's going to be too many who are threatening sort of the the established eleven or the the players that didn't travel. Looking ahead to the weekend, um, I think you know there was good performances from the likes of Joel Robles in goal, uh, one of the debutants. Um, given the circumstances of it being sort of professional and Leeds debuts for Perkins, Joseph, and JB, I thought they did fine. Um, you know they were they were zipping it about between themselves on occasions. Um, click started well, kind of waned a little bit. And I agree with you on the Harrison point. I think there was just you know his first touch was always very good, and then it was his second, third, fourth, and fifth, which were maybe sometimes overplaying it or you know getting his head down, running into a, a blind alley, getting dispossessed, and yeah, it was um, a bit of a concern that one. Um, but you know. The, the team are, are out of that competition now. It's, it's full focus ahead on on Spurs. And um, yeah, it's it, it's still it's still a positive moment. Again, I'm, I'm drop, uh, dropping into that Premier League manager speak there. Uh, after two wins on the bounce in the league, there's still a chance to, um, to, to cause an upset at Spurs because, you know, they lost last night. They got knocked out by Nottingham Forest. So yeah, there's, um, there's a chance. Yeah, yeah. Um... What you want from your midweek team, you know, if it's, if it's in another competition, is to carry on that momentum. And there's an argument that some of the players did carry on that momentum. I think Jesse Marsh will be will have been very protective of that positive atmosphere, even in the wake of the defeat last night. I think he'll have been full of positivity in the dressing room. He'll have been trying to keep the spirits high and keep everything rolling because I think he knows how important it is that Leeds go into the break on the back of something positive. Um you could say that the goalkeeping situation gave everyone cause for reassurance last night because um, I thought uh, Robles was really, really very good. Um, made a couple of great saves. Distribution was good. There was a um, great bit of sweeper-keeper play from him where he, he spotted, um, I think it was, was it a through ball for Adama Traore? And he, yeah, it was Traore, yeah. Traore kind of blew Junior Furbo away in a foot race and... Um, the goalkeeper came out and headed it clear, spotted the danger. I just, you just got a sense of calm from him, um, which is what we saw again in the Papa John's at, at Bolton. You know, where it would have been a lot worse than the, the scoreline it, it it ended had it not been for him. So, um, I think for me that performance kind of underlines his position as as 
the true backup to Ilan Melier. You know, if something were to happen to Ilan, I think Marsh would turn to the 32-year-old Spaniard rather than the youngster, uh, Christopher Kleissen, who I think it's fair to say struggled last season um, and hasn't really played very many minutes this season. You know, how many, many to under-23 or sorry, under-21's performances or uh, games has he played? Maybe two or three? Uh, it's, been a, it's been a couple, yeah. Four, four maybe. Mm. He's not He's not had a lot of game time. And um, yeah, interesting Interesting that they went with uh, Joel last night instead of... Uh, instead of Chris. Well, speaking of selection decisions, um, we're about a minute away while we're recording from the England team being announced for the World Cup. But uh, on the the other sort of squad fronts, uh, we've had Rasmus Christensen, who's been called up by Denmark. Um, Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson have both been uh, named in Greg Bahalter's squad for the United States. Um, I'm, I don't think I'm missing anyone there who's been announced yet. But, you know, there's the likes of uh, Matthias Klick still to find out, Pascal Stroik still to find out, um, Robin Koch is not in the Germany squad, Ilan Melier not in the France squad. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the the World Cup uh, discourse, you know, do you think that we'll see the, the likes of Rodrigo Llorente go into the World Cup? Calvin Phillips and Ben White have made the England squad, um, which is very good to see. I think a lot of Leeds fans will be very, very pleased. Uh, for Calvin in particular, um, even though he left the club, remains obviously a Leeds lad and a Leeds fan, um, and uh, I think it's I think it's great for him that he's he's made it back fit. That really timely that he came back and played, you know, those forty minutes in the Carabao for for Manchester City this week, um, and and good for Ben White as well because he has gone on to prove himself to be the player we all thought he could be when he had that unbelievable season on loan from Brighton at Leeds. Um, really good to see him in the uh, the England squad. Um, Rodrigo, I would, I'd be surprised. I think Urante will be in there because it's a 26-man squad, although my prediction would be that he'll not play many minutes unless Spain run into s- severe injury problems um, or if they find themselves, you know, in the bizarre position of having a, a dead rubber or something like that. Um I don't I don't foresee him playing much. Robin Cock, uh I think it's difficult to comment on when you don't know the ins and outs of the, the Germany squad and the defensive options that uh, Hansi Flick has at his disposal. Um but I don't think Robin Cock could have done much more this season to have impressed. He's been in Germany squads previously when he's not been playing quite as well as I think he has been, or quite as consistently as he has been uh, this season. Um, probably didn't have his greatest game against Bournemouth, but other than that, I can't think of many times when you've not thought a solid six and a half, seven, seven and a half out of ten for Leeds this season. Um, and that's in the Premier League, you know, what they were told relentlessly is the best league in the world. So he must have been. He must have come close. You know, he must have been in with some kind of a shot of making it. Uh, and you'd think that his name would be very, very high up on the list of reserves should something happen to one of Germany's central defenders. Um, but the Leeds representation, I think, most of the intrigue or most of the interest will centre around uh, Aronson and Adams, who have very quickly become darlings of the the Leeds fan base, um, and. You know, I can't help but think about Patrick Bamford 
at, at this point in time um, because I was really impressed when Bamford came out before last season and just quite happily stated his his aim of making the World Cup. You know, that's what he was aiming for. He wanted to get into the England squad. He'd scored 17 goals in the Premier League. He'd had an unbelievable season and and he had he made no bones about it that you know that was his that was his dream and then of course he had the season from hell and that's kind of although Leeds were were exercised a lot of caution with him over the summer looked after him during pre-season built him up steadily and slowly you know that injury against Southampton and the, and the one he's just picked up in training last week have kind of made this season feel like a continuation of last season he's not played more than 65 minutes um He's only played more than 65 minutes once this season in the Premier League. Hasn't completed a 90-minute uh, game yet. And Rene Maric said after Wolves that they're hopeful that he'll be ready uh, for Spurs. I can't imagine he'll start against Spurs unless he's had some miraculous recovery from this hip problem that that he sustained taking a penalty right at the end of training. I mean, it's just desperately unlucky. But as the England squad is announced, you kind of think, what maybe could have been, you know, he, he got that one cap. wasn't a great game because England didn't play very well. It was against Albania, wasn't it? Um, I think it was Andorra. Andorra, rather, yes. Um, On his birthday, no less. And it just wasn't a great game at all against an opposition that were just there essentially to sit in and spoil and, and Bamford could not really get a sniff. Very frustrating. And then that season happened to him and, and he, he wouldn't be human if he'd, if he'd, but still been dreaming this summer that it could maybe still happen. You know, if he hit the ground running, scored six, seven goals at the start of the season, kept himself fit and firing, and maybe if one or two others had struggles with injuries or form, then just maybe he might creep in. Um, a bit like Callum Wilson, for example. You know, he's, yeah, he's somebody who exactly. 18 months ago probably wasn't in with a shout, whereas Bamford was, and now he's in the in the squad and, and Bamford isn't. Yeah, well, it was either Callum Wilson or Ivan Tony, wasn't it? And Callum yeah. Wilson's the man that's got the nod. And, and Bamford is just sadly nowhere near it. And it's just all kind of that whole England World Cup dream has all just slipped away, you know, piece by piece. Um, similar similar kind of story for, for Jack Harrison, although he never broke into the squad. He was in the discussion, you know, at, at points because he's had these spells where he's been very, very good. You know, first season in the Premier League with Leeds, he was excellent, his... His goal contributions were and his assists were fantastic. Um, last season, just didn't do it. You know, just just couldn't have the same impact. Scored a lot of goals, but on the ball, he just wasn't anywhere near as effective or confident looking. Um, and then this season, you know, he started by creating an absolute plethora of chances. And I think he's just gone off the boil. Um, no, I, I don't think. I think even if he'd continued his early season chance creation rate I don't think it'd have been anywhere near the England squad but he has been in the conversation at points um, and again I think he would might have let himself dream this summer that it could maybe happen for him as well if with a fair wind and a bit of luck um, but again it's just uh, it's just not happened um, and Rodrigo's probably in a in a similar place you know unless we unless we've got it wrong and he he does make the squad um, because he has got seven goals in 12 Um so he's, um, you know, he's at least done enough in in terms of goal scoring to to ask the question of Luis Enrique. But I just I just think he maybe was slipping out the back door of the the Spain squad over the last year or so. 
And so I'd be surprised if he made it. Um, just yeah, I mean, to, seven, seven goals yeah. in 12 Premier League games this season isn't exactly a, a bad run. I mean, ordinarily we'd be, looking at, yeah. we'd be looking at that and saying, you know, he's, he should be a shoo-in for, for selection. But it's sort of the, the body of evidence over the past 18 months or the past two years since he signed for Leeds that maybe isn't as convincing as, as some of the other attacking options that Spain will have. Um, and in, in a similar vein, you know, you, you'd say the same about Diego Llorente, but for whatever reason, Luis Enrique seems to have have, have grown quite fond of him as sort of a, a 24th, 25th, 26th man in those squads that he's named recently, the ones which Rodrigo hasn't made. And we see this a lot with international managers. They like to keep um, the, the the squad makeup quite similar um, in the run-up to a tournament uh, to get that to, to, to build that team chemistry, to build you know the off-field camaraderie. Um, so to bring in players who perhaps haven't been instrumental in in their international camps um is is something which you know it, it's it's not really that much of a surprise if if he didn't make it rodrigo but um yeah it, it's in a sense it's good to have um leeds united representation at the world cup you know four four years ago at, at russia uh in 2018 I, I can't think off the top of my head whether there were any apart from pontus maybe um and I mean, I know in previous times there's been like Eddie Lewis representing the United States, but that's not the same as Brendan Aronson and and, and Tyler Adams, who are going to be, you know, mainstays in that team and and the the stars of that that new generation. I think it shows in a way that Leeds have come away since the um since the last the last tournament or so. But yeah, it would be it would be good to have um a few more in there. But equally, some people might be saying no, it's good to to keep them all together. Um, so yeah, there's been there's been, a, there's been a lot of that in the kind of reaction to Robin Cock not making the Germany squad. You know, yeah. good, he'll not get injured then. Um, and and people might say the same about Rodrigo because whilst Rodrigo's popularity isn't at its absolute zenith, he is scoring goals and he is fit and available um, when Patrick Bamford is is struggling for goals, form, confidence, and fitness. Uh, and Leeds don't have another senior centre forward, do they? So. Um, you know, Rodrigo staying back, getting a rest, and then having this little mid-season training camp with Leeds uh, and a couple of pre-season, well, mid-season friendlies, rather. Um, maybe a good thing. Maybe a good thing for club, uh, rather, rather than maybe for the individual who might prefer to be in Qatar. Um, interesting that, that Leeds have uh, rejected a under-21 call-up for uh, Melier, uh, the French... Football Federation did intend to have him as part of their under-21 squad for the 19th of November friendly against Norway. Um, but because this round of fixtures doesn't carry the same mandatory status, clubs and players have the option to decline. Um, and Leeds thought that a rest would be the best uh, case scenario for Melia, who's played every minute of their 13 Premier League games so far this season. Um, played one of their two Carabao Cup games. Uh, he will play against Spurs, you would imagine, as well. And I think Leeds just wanted him to have a bit of a rest. Melier was okay with that, and thankfully so too were the French Football Federation. Um, we expect that, because this is his last year of under-21s football, he's turned 22 already, we expect that he'll be involved in the Euros, the under-21 Euros next summer, um, probably as his swan song as an under-21s player for France. And then for him, it will be, what can I do then to graduate into the big boys' um, into the senior squad uh, and from from everything we hear he's very highly thought of and 
they do see him on the pathway to that senior squad. Um, they just want to ensure that he plays a lot of uh, first team football, senior football. Um, and that, I think, plays into Leeds' hands. You know, his contract's to 2026. Um, but I think if he needs to play regular football in, in quote unquote, the best league in the world, then Leeds United is currently his best bet of, of, of doing that. Um, if you were going to go to another club, would you go to a mid-table club where, where you know, you might very well have a good chance of starting, but with slightly more competition in place or beyond the mid-table Premier League club? If you went to, if he went a bit higher than that, he wouldn't start, would he? Um, at, at the age he's at, whereas Leeds have kind of gone all in with him ever since he broke into the team during Kiko Casillas' racism ban. And um, I think they've got a good thing going with him and, and he's got a good thing going with Leeds. So, um yeah, I think things bode quite well for for Leeds when it comes to the goalkeeping department. Yeah, certainly. Um, and and if if you're looking at it like a cautionary tale, perhaps you know Calvin Phillips, the the discussion around his England selection. Obviously, he is in the squad for the World Cup, but the discussion around his selection this time around has been, you know, will he be fit? Will will he be selected because he hasn't played anywhere nearly enough minutes for Manchester City? Um, you know, it can. Melier, you'd have to think, will be getting advised by those in the French setup, you know, behind the scenes, that he still he, he has to continually play football if he's going to be ahead of Hugo Lloris, who I mean will retire in a few years anyway. Um, Mike Magnon, Alban Lafont, those types of players who've been ahead of him at under twenty one level previously. Uh, Alphonse Ariola at West Ham, that's actually quite a good example because Lucas Fabianski and, and Ariola kind of share responsibilities there. Um, and, and Ariola isn't really thought of maybe in the same vein um, at, at at French level as, as Melier could be because of that, just the, the age difference and, and the potential which Melier has. Um, but I think we should get on to, to more positive things. Um, not to say that, that World Cup call-ups or, or players not getting World Cup call-ups is, is not positive, but um, last weekend at Bo- uh, against Bournemouth uh, at home at Ellen Road, um, fantastic comeback. Um, uh a scarcely believable one at three one down. Um really didn't look as though that Leeds were gonna gonna put up too much of a fight. And then Sam Greenwood puts the game back in the balance a little bit. Uh, Liam Cooper scores a header, a very good header uh, at the back post. And then what a run by Willie Nyonto and, and and a good confident finish by uh by Crescencio Somerville. Um Graham, what was you, what did you make of, of last weekend? Because it's the first chance that we've that we've really had to, to discuss this on the pod. Um, and we shouldn't gloss over it just because it was a couple of days ago uh, and because there's been a Carabao Cup game, a massive Carabao Cup game. You know, third round's huge um, in, in between. You know, the Bournemouth game could could still prove to be a sort of a, a slide indoors moment for this for this team. Yeah, um, it, it's almost exactly how we saw it beforehand. You know, they, they go away to Liverpool and they beat them 2-1 quite, quite unexpectedly, but understandably because... We know the problems that they give teams that play. You looked at the Bournemouth game and you thought, what on earth? In fact, I said to Tony Dorigo before the game, God knows what to expect today. Um, because you you could quite easily have seen Bournemouth come into frustrate and, um, and Leeds fall into that trap again and getting a bit frustrated and, and not being able to play as well as they have done against big six teams. And... It was almost the the very worst and the very best of Leeds United um, twenty 
2022-23, um, all encapsulated in one 90 minutes because we've we've talked about the first goal being one of the keys to stopping teams from time waste and stopping them from sitting deep and frustrating. Leeds get that second-minute penalty. Rodrigo sticks it away. And you think, right, you know, what can what can you go on and do now? Um, I think another esteemed Leeds United journalist used a phrase, something akin to, there's the start, now kill them. Um, and then five minutes later, it's 1-1, you know, with some uh, shonky defending to blame. Shonky. Shonky. Um, 2-1 down at halftime, booed down the tunnel. And you're thinking the pressure is right back on Marsh, you know, and, and this is, this is the thing about when a crowd turns in the way it did um, after the, or during the Leicester, during the Leicester game in particular, but also a little bit during the Fulham game, it's only ever a bad performance away for a few weeks, you know, in, in the next few weeks after, after the crowd turns, you're only ever a bad passage of play and a goal or two away from it all kicking off again and all coming out again. And, it just felt at half time like it was a mess, that Leeds performance was a mess, that tactically it didn't look great, aesthetically it was awful. And then Bournemouth come out and score the third in the early stage of the second half. And it just looked grim. It looked really grim. And you start to think, you know, that decision to back Marsh until the international break is, is not going to look so clever if they lose this one. Um, and you have to give him his credit. You know, he, he brought on Sam Greenwood in what was a fairly game-changing decision. Um, Greenwood scores an absolute beauty with his left foot. He's just a, a gorgeous strike. Um, first first senior goal for Leeds United, wasn't it? For, yeah, um, first Premier League goal, first senior goal. I think it might be the first senior goal he scored in, in, in professional in his, football. In his career, yeah. yeah. And then he takes the corner that, that Cooper heads in. And I think what really struck me was... The equaliser went in. It wasn't like Cooper began to celebrate and then remembered himself and thought, oh, hang on, we should probably want to go and win this now. He headed the ball into the net, got up, turned and ran back and mm. told everyone else to do the same. And there was, at that point, Ellen Road was so into it and the momentum was so with Leeds that you could only really see one winner. Um, but the manner of, of the winner was sensational. you know. And again... Marsh brings Nyonto on. He gets himself into the game, and then he just you know, takes flight. You know, from just outside his own box, the longest carry leading to a Premier League goal this season. Um, and I think everyone's you know it's been said a million times, but the run was great. Keeping his balance when he got the hand in the middle of his back was great, but the wherewithal and the composure to play that weak foot through ball. Uh, for Somerville, that just bisected the the last two defenders, put Somerville through on goal, was sublime. Just a, a wonderful, wonderful moment. Um, and Somerville sticks it away, and, and all of a sudden, you're looking at six points from those two games, which is you know an incredible. Absolutely, you didn't know where three were going to come from before that Liverpool game. Never mind no, six after two. You, you were wondering where goals were coming from, and and they scored six goals in two games and took six points. And both winners were set up by Nyonto and scored by Somerville. You know these these two best new best friends. Um, it was just a, it was just a fantastic end to the game, uh, and I thought they managed the final minutes after that 
really quite well. Um, and I think Bournemouth just looked shell shocked. You know, they looked like like, like a team who'd who, who knew they'd been in a great position and squandered it. And that's something we've said about Leeds this season. You know, in fact, it was the it was the narrative that was that was written at three one down. You know, how has this team developed such an expertise in squandering strong positions? You know, you beat Chelsea and then you follow it up with those poor results and performances that were a bit iffy. You perform so well for 45 minutes against Arsenal and then you're dire at Leicester and dire against Fulham. And then you beat Liverpool and you go out and you're 3-1 down against Bournemouth. But we've talked about the character of the team a lot and it showed once again. And existing on character alone isn't a plan and it isn't sustainable uh, to stay in the Premier League forever. But it's a great thing to have in your arsenal when things aren't going fantastically well. And they've dug out those two results um, brilliantly from the positions they were in. Because they could quite easily have lost that game to Liverpool, you know, when it was 1-1 and when they were coming under pressure. And Melier... Well, not for Melier. I mean... Yeah, Melier's made all those saves. So they've had, they've had to really dig that one out. And then they've, they've had to come back from the dead. You know, that the youngsters have, have pitched in and they've dug Marsh out of the mire. Um, and and then you know, they put them in a position where you get a point at Spurs and you have really turned things around over the last three Premier League games and you go into the break with seven points from nine and everything's a lot rosier and you've got time to settle everything down, get everyone as fit and sharp as you can and and go again. But on, on looking forward to, to Spurs this weekend, um, we'll be hearing from Jesse Marsh on uh, Friday afternoon uh, in his press conference. Um, he, I'm sure he'll be asked again about Patrick Bamford, uh, about Joe Gelhart, who was taken off uh, early last night um, at Wolves. Um, looked to be sort of walking unaided as he, as he made his way around the pitch after being taken off. Um, but Again, it would be good to get some clarity on that situation, injury-wise. Um, Spurs, I believe, have Kulisevsky and Richarlison back. Um, they both played last night as they were beaten by Forrest in the Carabao Cup. Harry Kane came off on 60 minutes, um, presumably because Antonio Conte thought the tie was was over by that point at 2-0 down. No need to risk their star man any any further. Um, and yeah, Youngmin Son, I think maybe... Uh, is 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 unavailable this weekend, which is a positive for Leeds um, if that does come to pass. But um, yeah, it would be uh, it would be a, a huge huge advantage to not have him in the team for for Spurs. Um, if if you're looking sort of at the the starting eleven that Leeds will put out this weekend, how much of a change would you make from Bournemouth? Because you know the the team which started the game and, and ultimately went three one down was not the team that finished the match and was was winning 4-3. You know, you look at the likes of Sam Greenwood, you know, Mark Rocker didn't have a great game, but Greenwood did came did come on and, and did reasonably well. Um, interestingly, he wasn't chosen to start last night in sort of that second string uh, at Wolves, uh, along with Nonto. Somerville was left out entirely. Um, René Marich was saying that, you know, we still have to appreciate that he's, he's still a young player. His body's still adapting to playing lots of games. Um, so you'd, you'd assume that that Crescencio Somerville will be in the in the team, you know, potential for for Willie Nyonto, potential for Sam Greenwood. Um, I think you could safely say Rodrigo will be in attack there. Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, uh, Melier provided all is well. Um, you know, Robin Cock, Rasmus Christensen. Uh, I mean, Pascal Stroik as well. I mean, Pas Pascal Stroik. I, I don't want to 
to, to jinx it or anything, but he's just been yeah imperious. And, and after last night's performance from, from Junior Firpo, which was fine, largely okay, um, you know, found it a little bit difficult against Adama Traore. I, I still just want to see Pascal Stroik in that, that left-back position for the for the remainder of the season. Is is that something that you'd, well, the, the team in general, something you'd you'd echo or, or some, some changes that you might want to make? Um, I think Nyonto starts ahead of Harrison um, if I'm picking the team right now. Um, I I would like to see Patrick Bamford start as many games as possible, but I just don't think it's I just don't think it's it's probable. You know, I think I to think, come in from the cold, I think it, I think best case scenario he'll be on the bench. Um, but I, I wonder if Ailing Ailing probably. He would probably have had to do something a little bit more special last night to get in ahead of Rasmus Christensen. Although there's not a huge deal between the two of them, I think. It's not like there's a massive gulf. I think Christensen has started to show that he can exist at the level. Um, I don't think he's been massively convincing across the piece. I think Ailing has put pressure on him. Um, and you kind of know what you get from Ailing. You know, most of the time as well, um, but I imagine Christensen probably keeps his place. Stroik definitely keeps his place because Furbo just didn't produce something special last night that would make you think, yeah, he's ready to go back in. You know, where you think he has the advantage over Stroik, which is probably in the opposition half and in the final third, he just didn't really do it for me. Just didn't really produce, didn't really link up that well with other players, didn't do anything really incisive. Um, so I think Stroik keeps his place. Urante um, had quite a good game against Wolves. Some 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 nice passing, at least um, a few a few of those moments where he's a little bit overly aggressive in a one v one defending, and you think he's got the potential to take a yellow or to get turned or um, or to just produce a rugby tackle. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure he comes straight back in. Uh, Greenwood, I think, will probably be on the bench. Mm. I just think that that front three. I think he'll want Aronson in there, and he'll want um, Somerville, and he'll probably want Nyanto. And then in the midfield against a team like Spurs, you're probably going to want Rocker in there from the start. Um, and you're right; he didn't have a great game against Bournemouth, but he has been quite good this season mm-hmm. since he came in. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and and while we're on the topic of sort of World Cup call ups on this episode. Um, there is one in particular that is not Leeds United related. It's not even Rangers related. So, you you know, it's it's mainly just Scottish football related that we haven't uh, discussed. And that is uh, the call up to the Australian national team uh, for Jason Cummings, who's going to be a Socceroo. And now this is throughout the World Cup. We're still going to be doing these podcasts, uh, maybe a little bit less frequently, considering that there won't be as much Leeds United stuff. But I'm fairly sure that we'll both be keeping a keen eye on Australia's games because what a story it would be if Jason Cummings, of all people, was to score against France in the World Cup for Australia. You know, someone who has moved to Australia, played for Central Coast Mariners, um, to and 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 on that alone has been essentially a meme, but has actually been fantastic in the A League. I'm, I'm told. Um, what I mean, it's just bizarre. But one of the stories of the World Cup, no. Yeah, um, absolutely bizarre. I, I it, it astonished me when I found out he was in the squad um, for their for their most recent games. Um, 
ex Shrewsbury Town. Remember when he scored the uh, goals against Liverpool in the was it the FA Cup? Played for no, Shrewsbury. I, I don't remember that. No, drilled drilled an absolute beauty in. Big game player. Um, hmm. Yeah, the, the World Cup throws up it, it throws up these incredible um, contradictions, doesn't it? Where players that you think should be nowhere near it play in the World Cup, and players who you think should be you know, at the World Cup, dominating the World Cup, don't go either through injury or because their their country doesn't qualify. Or, you know, as a Northern Irishman, George Best is probably the, the, the greatest example you could point to um, of a player who never played at the World Cup. Um, but the beauty of the World Cup is that you get some just crazy stories. I remember a, a workshop time player called Leo, Leo Berto, who played for New Zealand, uh, played for workshop time, and then went on to play in the World Cup for New Zealand, um, which is just r- remarkable. Um, but I have to, I have to say that any time I think about the World Cup, it, there's a massive conflict for me in that everything we read about the the treatment of workers uh, in the in the lead up to the World Cup, everything you read about human rights record, and some of the quite frankly, insane stuff that, that is said about um, LGBTQ uh, plus fans going over there, you know, some of the advice that has been meted out, it just beggars belief. And the World Cup, I, I love the World Cup. I absolutely love tournament football, international tournament football. I absolutely love the summers when you've got a Euros or a World Cup. And I think ordinarily... If the World Cup was in the mid in the middle of a season, but but somewhere else, I'd probably be quite up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if the team that I cover had some representation there and something to kind of hook your your interest professionally, not just personally. But it just feels like a complete farce that the World Cup is taking place where it is. It feels like a farce that it's having to take place mid season and causing the the merry hell that it is. You think of the players that are not going because they've they've picked up injuries recently, um, and, and then you know on top of all the other reasons why it should never have gone there, um, it, it's it's a difficult one to to be that excited for uh, as you would be normally, and um, and it's a difficult one to kind of make a call on you know as to how invested you're you're going to be um, professionally. We have to be because Leeds United players are 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 there and we have to monitor them, their form and their fitness and, and how far they go in the competition. But uh, yeah, uh, on a personal level, I'm, I'm incredibly conflicted about the tournament and I, that's never, ever been the case before, you know, for a, for a World Cup or for a, a Euros, which is just, it's a massive shame because this should be a time when you, it, it's about just pure celebration. It should and, be about the football. It should always be about yeah. the football. And, and when things which rightly so are, are come to the fore in place of the football, then that's kind of the answer to your question. You know, should should this be hosted here? Should this be hosted now? Um, yeah, no, it's 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 a yeah, it's it's a sad situation. But again, as you say, the sort of the, the professional obligation, and and that the same to the players as well. You know, they they're the ones who are going to have to go out and play there and um, in the conditions and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think it's right to. To caveat any conversation, any discussion about the World Cup with, with that that point as well, um, it's not all about the bromances of uh, Jason Cummings and Garan Cole and 
um, and that sort of thing. But and um, it, it will be interesting to see if any of the, the Leeds United players, because I know that Denmark have made uh, a few statements, haven't they, in the past about yes, um, about Qatar and about um, uh, equal rights and, and things like that. So it will be interesting to see if any of the Leeds United players uh, take part in any visible protests out there or or if they make any statements in, in press conferences. I'm quite sure that someone like uh, Rasmus Christensen would not be backwards in coming forwards with, with his views if asked while out there. And the same, I imagine, would probably go for Tyler Adams. He's quite a, quite a leader, isn't he, mm. um, for the for the US men's national team. Um, so, um, so, yeah, that will be one to, to kind of keep an eye on across the World Cup as we're following their progress. It certainly will be. Um, well, that is just about it for this week on the Inside Ellen Road podcast. Um, we, we look ahead to, to Spurs this weekend. Um, and yeah, hopefully the team can make it three wins on the bounce in the Premier League uh, before the international break or the World Cup break, which I think we worked out last night will be 46 days long between the Spurs game and the 28th of December when Manchester City come to town to face Leeds at Ellen Road. Um, but if you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on whichever uh, podcast platform uh, you use. Um, give us some feedback on, on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever you see this podcast shared. Uh, and uh, yeah, hope that you've uh, enjoyed listening. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I've been Joe Donahue, and this has been the Inside Ellen Road podcast with uh, YEP Chief Football Writer Graham Smith. Bye for now. The Inside Allen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate in Leeds. PR Supplies, everything for the home.